eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're going to do a little bit of a different version of the show this week. Normally, we kind of pick the topic and set the direction. Uh, this week, we let our subscribers do that. So we asked on the Swamp 24-7 message boards for any fans that had questions for either Blake or myself. And you guys submitted them. And we're going to just go ahead and start rolling through these. So, Blake, uh, the first question we have here is, what are UF's chances with five-star running back Zach Evans if Florida isn't able to get him on campus before summer classes start. It's starting to look more and more like Florida will still be on lockdown until May. I really liked our chances as long as we could get him to visit, but I have no idea if we can even get him to campus. That's from Risk Taker 30. Blake, uh, go ahead and give us the latest uh, for people that may not have heard yesterday's news that the NCAA passed down, and, and we'll go from there. Sure. And, and first and foremost, I do have a story that kind of covers, you know, things that I'm going to get to on the NCA and obviously Zach Evans that's up on Swamp 24-7 Sports, um, the web page over there. Um, I wrote it yesterday whenever things kind of went down. It does kind of explain somewhat of where we're at with Zach Evans. Obviously, there, there are more things still for me to dig into and things to look into. Um, but to, to answer the question... Um, UF's chances, I mean, they need to get him on campus. He's remained in contact um, with Coach uh, Brian Johnson, Coach Greg Knox. He's in touch with uh, co- a new assistant, Coach Tim Brewster. Um, so f- throughout all of this, Florida has kept in touch with Zach Evans. They're still communicating with him. But see, it, it, the the visit really needs to happen for Florida, and, and they need to get him down there. He has not visited campus before. Florida staff wants to get him down on campus for a visit and kind of checks things out. Um you know, they were planning to have him on campus on March 20th, um, but there was a dead period that has been enforced, you know, kind of keep, you know, large gatherings around from the coronavirus. So the NCA enacted a dead period that at the time was until April 15th. Well, that has now been extended. That was the news yesterday. The NCA passed, um, you know, a, a new rule in there that, you know, or, or a new announcement that things are going to be stretched out in this dead period all the way until May 31st. So it does throw a bit of a, of a, you know, a new cog into this recruitment and kind of where Florida's at. Um, being in the fact that you know this this dead period is going to stretch well past um, drop ad and, and you know the enrollment date for Florida summer A classes. All things considered, you know before the dead period rolled in, Florida's going to have Zach on campus March twentieth. They were going to see things there. You know everyone that I checked in at the time, you know it, it really just seemed that if Florida was going to get Zach on campus that things were going to go great and that all things considered, it was more than likely going to lead to him picking Florida and that was best case for Florida. 
Well, now things have been thrown into a little bit of a wrench. Like I said, you know, you don't get that official visit. You're kind of waiting things out for the entire month of April here. Zach's ready to go. You know, he can enroll. Um, he's already been graduated. He was an early enrollee. Obviously, he signed early with Georgia and was released from that LOI and has been has been an unsigned running back for those who maybe don't know what's going on here. Um, so he's still signed. He, you know, he's just kind of been working out and hanging out and, you know, waiting for you know, all of these visits, he took some visits to Tennessee, he took a visit to Ole Miss in January, he had taken some visits previous through there, but the, you know, the last three visits, so to say, the one was supposed to be to Florida and it did not happen. Um, so, you know, we're at a bit of a standstill here, you know, at this point, if Zach's dead set on going summer A, that's the thing where I have to dig into now, and this is the questions I need to start asking now, and that, that's my plan here, I've already kind of put some feelers out, but as far as where Florida's at, He's going to have to wait. He's going to have to wait past the summer A if he's going to go to Florida. He's going to take a visit, um, or he's going to have to take a flyer on things and just enroll, uh, you know, without ever visiting. Which I just don't see happening. I think he's a kid that wants to take a visit, and Florida in turn wants to show him around. You know, they want to do the official visit and show you know this is and that's of campus. Uh, you know, Florida's done their homework with what's going on here, but just everything going on just has not really done Florida any favors here. Obviously, with this thing stretching until the end of May, this dead period, they're not going to be able to get him on campus before summer A. So where Florida's at now, you have to hope that he doesn't enroll somewhere else in summer A if that's what he's dead set on. I haven't heard anything there. Again, I should have more later or hopefully should have more later as I continue to dig here just because, you know, we're still kind of dealing with, you know, where the dead period's at. You know, it's it's really uncharted territories from recruiting. You know, a lot of coaches are kind of figuring things out and how to do this from home. Obviously, technology helps and, you know, all these, that and the other. Um, but at this point, Florida's going to have to wait past summer A. They're going to have to hope that, you know, this dead period ends June 1st is where it's scheduled now. You hope to get him on campus sometime in the summer and you shoot for summer B or fall or, or wherever you want to shoot from from there. Um, I think Zach's one of those guys that obviously you want to get him on campus in the summer. You want to get him in there with this offseason workout plans and you know, all the things that are important in the summer. But where we're at now, you know, a person brought it up on Swamp 24-7 on the message boards the other day. It was a good point that, you know, it's not like these guys are doing organized workouts as a team. They're not, you know, meeting with Nick Savage. They're not, you know, having spring football. You know, I mean, at this point, Zach would basically be, you know, kind of doing his studies from afar, continuing to do what he's doing and working out when he can on his own time. Obviously, he would be a little bit more in, t in tune with maybe what Florida's doing as a workout plan and not his own thing. So, I mean, at this point, you know, you think – there's not really any organized sports going on. You don't know what's going to go on here going forward. So, you know, it may be in Zach's interest, you know, to kind of wait things out. You know, I mean, I guess it, the question depends is, is does he want to be in there in summer rain? Does he want to get locked into a program? But he would still have to do everything from afar as doing online classes and kind of working on his own. Or does he want to take this visit to Florida and see where things are at? But the name of the game here is he's going to have to wait until summer B or even the fall. All right. Well, let's uh, let's roll that right into our next question, which kind of goes in line. Uh, assuming we don't land Evans, can you talk us through the running back board and do we have any shot with top guys this cycle? That question's from the Swamp 15. Sure. And Florida's got a commitment. He's an all-purpose back type. I don't know. He's your every down type of back in uh, three-star Brashad Smith out of Miami Palmetto High School. He's Florida's all-purpose back type. He's going to do, excuse me, a little bit of both. You know, he can be a running back that's got a speedy type of guy. But I think Smith is most deadly in the slot. I think his hands and how he can kind of show some versatility there and kind of move around and make catches I think that's where he's most deadly at so I definitely think that you know I, I to back up I think if you land Evans I think it's hard to attract another running back type you know after landing a number one number two running back in, in a 2020 class 
But if not, I think it does become appealing. And, you know, barring any guys who transfer out or, you know, I think that obviously could throw a, a new wrench into things here. But I think if you land Evans, I think it's hard to sell another back. You know, whenever you're selling Brashard Smith on being, you know, somewhat of a running back in your offense, I think it's going to be hard to sell another back for Florida. You know, just on the sheer fact that they're going to have a pretty loaded backfield. You know, you have yeah. uh, Damian Pierce. You've got Iverson Clement. You know, I mean, some of these guys could transfer. Just added program. Lorenzo Lingard. Just added Lorenzo Lingard. You know, obviously, you know, Malik Davis is still there. So, I, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, and you throw in Brashad Smith, and you throw in maybe a Zach Evans, I, I think at that point, you know, Florida's not really hurting for a running back, barring some kind of mass exodus or guys start transferring out heavily or, you know, anything like that. You know, I, I think at this point, though, I, I think if they don't ask – you know, lands at if they don't land Zach Evans, like the question was, I think the one Navarro to follow is Levisy Carroll, the four-star running back out of IMG Academy. He actually says Florida leads in his recruitment. Um, he's had him on top. He visited in February. Um, he left that visit saying Georgia was on top for his recruitment, that they were the leader. Um, fast forward maybe a month and a half, two months into this, you know, he's changing his tune. He says Florida's the team on top, you know, with, you know, a need at running back. You know, I have a quote from him on a story that's on 24 uh, 7 Sports on his profile there if you, uh, you wanted to check out what he had to say when he named Florida his leader. But he did say the fact that Florida didn't land a 2020 running back was appealing to him and the fact that there is a gap there. Um, you know, you can come in and he, you know, if some guys move out or, you know, whatever, you know, it, it just, you've either got somewhat of a fast track, you know, down the road when some guys graduate or maybe go on. So I think that that's the most appealing thing for him. I think that Florida can become an even bigger player if they don't land a Zach Evans. Um, and you're kind of looking for another running back in 2021. I think Carroll is the one probably to keep the closest eye on. Yeah, I'm with you. I just think, you know, if you get, especially if you get Evans, I don't know that it's a huge need at this point. Uh, Blake, let's And Florida talk about- doesn't feel it's a big need either. Florida right. does not feel it's a big need. And I think you could see that even the way they approached the last recruiting cycle. You know, obviously they missed on some guys. You'd love to get, uh, you know, Demarcus Bowman, who ended up at Clemson, or some of these other guys that they pursued. Uh, but there was never like a panic where they were just going to take a guy to take a guy. And I think that's partly because they feel good about the room they have. And then obviously, you know, we didn't know at the time, but, you know, Lorenzo Lingard was on his way in. So, again, I think, like you said, they, they feel pretty good about what they've got. Um, so I, I don't think it's necessarily a huge concern. I would agree. All right, let's move on to the next question. Uh, and I haven't actually run this one by you, so hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot too much. But, uh, Blake, what is the staff doing to creatively interact with recruits during this coronavirus thing? Uh, some other schools have done Madden tournaments and some other creative ideas. Uh, you know of anything that Florida's doing? You know, Florida's really hitting Zoom. You know, they're having these Zoom calls where you can have more than one coach in there to talk to a kid. I actually spoke with a safety from South Florida who said that he, you know, is having Zoom conversations with a couple Florida coaches at the same time. You know, just staying active through there. I know a lot of coaches are really hitting FaceTime, you know, those video chats, you know, just keeping up consistently, you know, hitting DMs, you know, any way you can have communication there or even, you know, shoot a message and have a kid call you. You know, there's certain ways you can go around. I think everyone thinks, you know, dead period means that there's no recruiting whatsoever and all these coaches are kind of sitting around in their pool and playing golf or, you know, whatever, you, you know, there's definitely some recruiting that's still going on. It, really dead period in, in all grand scheme of things just means that you can't have kids on campus. You can't have inner, you know, in-person contact with some of these kids at this point too, in the recruiting trail in general, you can't just, you know, if you're a coach, you can't just pick up and call a kid, but you can, you know, shoot them a text message, shoot them a message yeah, and say, Hey, call me. <laughs> there's totally ways around it. So, I mean, j- just to, you know, kind of paint the picture for maybe some who don't know what, you know, dead period or the rules around there. Um, but you know, Florida's not doing really the Madden things. Um, it's really just, you know, zoom calls with different coaches, um, just kind of keeping up, you know, talking shop with some of these guys, you know, asking how the family's going, just keeping those, you know, 
just the relationships going. I think that's the biggest thing there. Just so those these kids can, if you can continue to see my face, I think that's mm-hmm. the approach there. Keep them doing the FaceTime calls. But I think Florida's had a little bit of a luxury here in the fact that wherever they signed the majority of their 2020 class in December last cycle, they spent most of January. Um, you know, those parts where you can go out there and you can hit the recruiting trail and kind of check guys out, you know, give them the eye test. They spent most of their time identifying 2021 guys. So I think yeah. in a sense, Florida kind of has a little bit of a luxury. You know, I- I'm sure a lot of schools that maybe signed a big bulk of their 2020 class are kind of in the field of the same thing. But, you know, if you're a new school that has a new coaching regime or maybe you didn't meet all the needs you wanted to in 2020 and you carry them over, I, I think there are maybe some schools you could argument that are feeling the effects of not having a spring evaluation period. And that's not to say that Florida doesn't. I mean, obviously getting a, you know an eye on some of these guys and seeing how things go in the spring and you know just really staying active and having guys come to campus for you and you get you know height, weight, you get to measure them and all sorts of things. So I, I think there's some things that that do hurt with this dead period and you know this ban of visits. But I think just at this point, the majority of Florida's top guys have been to campus several times. A lot of those guys were on campus in February or March. So Florida's been able to get some of these guys on campus. You know, I don't know that they really need these you know, interactive, um, you know, in-home visit type things or, um, you know, uh, interactive junior days or anything like that because the majority of the kids have been there plenty of times. They know what's going on. So I think for Florida, the fact that they've kind of, you know, they have a lot of commits already in their 2021 class. They've got a majority of these guys already on campus. They've already identified a lot of their guys that they're going to, you know, plan A's, playing B's, and playing C's and whatnot. Now, don't get me wrong. They're still doing their evaluating. They're still offering plenty, plenty of 2021 guys right now. But I think at this point, you know, just the FaceTime calls, keeping up with those guys through there, I think those are the things that Florida would probably be doing that's the most creative. Obviously, sending out all these edits and, you know, they're, they're keeping constant contact with these kids mm-hmm. no matter what for sure. Yeah, and I know you cover recruiting more more so than I do. Uh, I really kind of focus on just the team itself. Uh, I can tell you that, you know, based on what Nick Savage is doing, just making sure guys are keeping workouts, uh, they're really trying to keep it as, as light and as funny as possible, you know, sending out creative ways to do different lifts. You know, uh, some people are putting their, you know, their dog on them and doing push-ups, stuff like that. Um, so I'd imagine I that, saw Lorenzo Lingard lifting, uh, doing push-ups with a couch on his back. That was there different. you go. There you go. Nice. Yeah. So I would imagine that the coaches are, you know, finding these creative ways that they're using to keep their players engaged and they're doing the same type of stuff with recruits. I, I would have almost no doubt that they're doing some of that, sending videos, just funny stuff here and there. Um, you know, I, I don't know that you need to have some in a super innovative way to do it as long as you're, like you said, keeping in touch. Um, it just depends on the school, you know, some of those schools like this, mm-hmm. like Kansas, Kansas is a school that did one of those interactive junior days where they pretty much had the entire day of kids can log on and in and out. And those kind of schools, I think they benefit from those kind of virtual things. And that's to say that some kids probably needed to get to Florida's campus that weren't able to now or, you know, didn't get to make a junior day or needed more time around the coaches and whatever. But I think at this point, I, I do truly believe that Florida has a luxury of having the having identified so many of those targets already. And also at this point, you just need to just keep showing your face, keep showing contact, keep showing love. I think that's the big key for Florida. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Blake, let's go ahead and take a quick break and we'll come back on the other side and answer a few more of these questions we have. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're answering, answering some subscriber submitted Q&As. Man, tripped myself up there. Some subscriber submitted Q&As. Uh, we're providing the answers for you. Let's go ahead and get right back into it. Uh, this question was directed at me from John's Jeans Jeans. And uh, his question was, you've been slightly critical of Dan Mullen's recruiting. What's your overall opinion of Dan Mullen's recruiting to this point? And I think, uh, I think first off with that one, um, my, char- my characterization of Dan Mullen's recruiting is more where it can get better. I don't know that I would say I'm pessimistic or anything like that on, on Dan Mullen's recruiting. Critical is probably a good way to put it. Um, I, I think that Florida's gotten better, and I think Blake and I have talked about this a lot on the podcast. Um, really, for me, it's just about you know, numbers. You know, that's, that, I'm a numbers guy. I'm always looking at numbers, rankings, the correlation between the rankings and whether or not you compete for championships. And by and large, there's a pretty, pretty overwhelming amount of evidence that the more stars, quote-unquote, that you pack onto your roster, the more four- and five-star players you pack onto your roster, the better chances you have of reaching the college football playoff, of reaching Atlanta for the SEC title game. And I think Florida's done, what I think Dan Mullen has done really well is I think they're lacking a little bit still in in really getting some of those truly elite five-star type guys. And that, and again, that's talking just recruiting. It's not talking about the transfers they've taken in because they've obviously done well there. Um, that to me is the only area that's kind of lacking is that real upper echelon top crust, uh, type of recruits. I think Florida's two or three guys per class away there. Uh, but what I think Dan Mullen has done really well that maybe gets overlooked a little bit is I think you're seeing that the bottom half of the class, the recruiting classes that he's taken has been significantly better than what you've seen with the bottom half of the class under, you know, previous coach Jim McElwain. And what that does is it gives you increased depth. It gives you better competition for jobs. Guys tend to tend to push a little harder when they're not, you know, head and shoulders better than the guy that's backing them up. Um, So I think I think the roster has clearly, clearly gotten better under Dan Mullen overall. My only thing is I would like to see Florida. And I think there are signs that they're starting to do this. I would like to see Florida get just two or three more of those truly elite guys, those DeMarcus Bowman type battles where you're going against a Clemson or, you know, against an Alabama or a Georgia. If you can win two more of those per cycle for those really top, top 50, top 100 type kids, I think you're doing really, really well. Blake, you, you know, have any I, thoughts on that? I think it does hinder Florida in the fact that you're in the SEC. You're, 
if you look at the recruiting rankings, Florida's doing a, a good job. They get, I, And I've said it over and over again. I think every year Mullen puts together a better class. And I think there are a lot of variables that are helping those things. But I think in the grand scheme of things, when you look at who else is doing a really good job recruiting, a lot of schools that are on Florida schedule or would be on Florida schedule, you know, in the grand scheme of SEC or SEC championship, you know, with Alabama recruiting like how they do. But I, I think I agree. Florida just needs to continue to take that next step with those guys that are the truly elites, keeping those guys that are in state that have been leaving the state of Florida over the, you know, the last couple of years here and there. It's it's keeping them home. Florida's the hot team in the state, you know, but it's not the same as it used to be maybe a couple of years ago in the fact that, you know, you really just have to beat Miami and Florida State on the trail. Now you have to worry about Georgia's coming in. You have to worry about Clemson coming in. You have to worry about Alabama coming in. So I would agree. You can make an argument that Florida's doing a good job in winning some of those battles. A guy like Xavier Henderson, who uh, Clemson wanted. A guy like Chris Bogle, who was committed to Alabama. Kair Elam, who was definitely flirting with Georgia heavily. I mean, they're winning those battles. But I agree, you need to continue to win more of them. You need to continue to add some of those you know, elite playmaker guys that can come in instantly and they can turn things around. And I think one of the big things to where I, I circle back and I say how I think Florida has improved every year on the recruiting trail with different things, I think it's a lot of things that you're seeing off the field. I think whenever Mullen was first hired, you had a couple guys in those, you know, those offices there that just really weren't cut out for a Florida job. They weren't cut out for those SEC type, you know. I think the biggest thing in there is having an idea and having organization and having planning and having an idea and attacking it. And I mm-hmm. think that that's where they were lacking in those, you know, recruiting offices there kind of early on. And I think that Mullen has continued to add some guys that are more organized, that have a little bit more of an idea and can kind of carry out these plans. You know, they communicate. It, it just it flows. And I think it's starting to flow more now. And I think not only that, but you're mixing in some guys like Akiwan Ratliff, Jamar Chaney, uh, John Heron. You know, these kind of guys who have legit ties to certain areas. They relate well to some of these kids. I mean, Kiwan Ratliff is a guy who had a great Florida career. I think those are things that you can really sell because it's different, whereas, you know, some guy in there who's been hired that's great at his job but doesn't have the ties to Florida. I feel like a guy like Kiwan Ratliff is going to he he you know bleeds orange and blue. He's you know in the program. Charlie Skalaski is another guy who has ties to Florida there. I just feel like those guys they have that I guess inner drive that you know really want them to sell Florida. They have the kind of love for Florida. You can I mean look at Dan Mullen when he got hired at Florida. You can tell that that's where he wants to be that that's what he's going to sell. I think those things are contagious to kids. Um but I and I think just you know what Mullen has done in adding guys in that recruiting office, adding some more organization there and adding some guys that are really going to get after it and stay after some of these kids. I think those are the big things that speak to me the most about what Florida has done to kind of improve these things in recruiting. And then you even look back at some of these assistant coaches. Um, You know, you have a coach that leaves and he goes somewhere else. I feel like Mullen's done a great job. You know, Sal Sinceri leaves to go to Alabama. He brings in David Turner, who's done a great job recruiting. Larry Scott, who wasn't, you know, any kind of joke on the recruiting trail for Florida. You know, you have him go, but then you bring in a Tim Brewster. So I think that those kind of moves also, you know, adding some guys that are really good at recruiting and really good at what they do, also coaching as well. I think those are really good moves that Mullen has made. And I just think that those kind of moves, he can continue those. I think that's going to continue to show on the recruiting. Yeah, and when you when you talk about recruiting, um, I know that there can be a type of fan out there that sometimes because of Dan Mullen's success on the field will say, you know, the recruiting rankings don't matter. Dan Mullen has proven time and time again that he can develop players. And certainly he's done that throughout his career. You look at guys like Dak Prescott. Uh, I think the the potential flaw in that argument is that it ignores a lot of reality. I mean, the reality is the numbers eventually are going to catch up to you. Um, and I think you you don't have to look any further than this Florida Georgia rivalry, right? 
we've seen Florida clearly getting there as the recruiting has taken an uptick. Now, they're still not there. When you look at that Florida-Georgia game, Florida couldn't move the ball quite enough. You know, and I, I understand every game is different. Every year is different. Um, but Georgia had the depth. Georgia has the depth right now uh, just to, to be a little bit better than Florida across the board. And we've seen that in Jacksonville. And I think because of Mullen's coaching, the, the argument should not be, you know, is, you know, eighth, you know, is, is a top 10 recruiting class good enough? Well, no, it's it's can we get are we squeezing every little bit out of this that we possibly can? And I think Florida has a little bit more room to do that. So when I when I'm critical of Dan Mullen, it's only because I'm looking at it in that bigger context where, OK, yeah, the guy can absolutely coach. Imagine him having a, a roster stacked with talent like Georgia has. You, you, you would bet on him to win the SEC East every year. I mean, it's the same thing as when he was at Florida the first time as an offensive coordinator. You give Dan Mullen the talent, he is going to win. So it's just a question of how does how does Florida continue to maximize that? And like you said, with you know some of the staff changes that they've made and the restructuring they've done, I think I think they're certainly getting there. Um, and you know, and I would also to add to that, I think that Florida <laughs> does a good job at evaluating guys that fit their system, that that fit their program. Just they they fit. You know, they just fit every T to that. And I think that you know you could argue you know a three star player is going to get developed under Dan Mullen, no doubt. I won't argue that any day of the week. But why would you want to? Why, why I my I, I always circle back to, yes, you can develop those guys. They can be great players. But wouldn't you want to develop a guy, a four-star, five-star guy, and develop them even more to something better? Because you know that the fact that how they evaluate, Florida's not going to sign, you know, at least my opinion. I think that's what I've seen from them recruiting and how they evaluate some of these players. I don't think they're going to sign any guys that are bust players. You know, I think, they're, you know, there's not always going to be that way, and I'm sure there's going to be things that happen here and there, but I would bet on Mullen and how they evaluate and how they do their due diligence with these guys and what they know about football. I think they're going to hit more than they miss on some of these guys. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Florida's not going to be doing their homework on these high four-star, five-star type players. Why would you want to develop a three-star guy when you can develop a four, five, four-star, five-star? Yeah, it's a pretty simple argument, man. It's math, man. <laughs> right, let's uh, let's move on to the next question, Blake. And, and we probably already addressed this a little bit. Uh, but there seems to be a question of momentum right now when it comes to Florida recruiting. Um, and obviously, there's a question with momentum for everybody, I think, right now, given what we're going through with the coronavirus. Um, but the question from John Jeans Jeans is, are the staff adjustments to recruiting being noticed on the trail? Are recruits reacting more positive to UF than last year? where it seemed like we had similar momentum at the start of that year, but it seemed to fizzle. You know, I don't know that the coronavirus really is helping anybody right now. And and I would, here's the thing. Florida has a lot of commits in their class already. You know, they're already, you know, one of the higher full up classes so far. I know obviously some guys are landing some people now. I think there's a difference. You know, you can see some schools that may take a guy just to have some kind of momentum, some kind of buzz there. But they may just not be a guy. I, I mean, not everyone is recruiting like the tear that Ohio State is on right now. I think if you look at what Ohio State has done on the recruiting trail recently, they're on a great tear here. They're adding elite players there. But I think Florida's in the position now to where they've got you know a, a large portion of their class now already in the fold. They're already committed. So I think Florida at this point is looking at some of these guys that were looking to make a summertime commitment. You know, those those were there. There are plenty of kids now with how the early signing day period goes and all that. You have your guys that commit like late summer. You know, right before the season, and they may take some visits later. But now we're having to the point now where some of these kids who were going to do that are going to push things back 
because they want to take the official visits. They want to go see things. They're not getting to do those things now in the spring like they were planning on. I feel like every cycle, kids are setting visits earlier and earlier. It used to be that you know you didn't really see these spring visits. You'd see the majority of them in the summer. And, and I mean, there's a mix of them now. But I think at this point, Florida is kind of looking at you know they're they're looking at the upper echelon type of guys. They're looking for those elite guys that probably aren't making a decision until a little bit later in the process. Mind you, at one point, some of these kids were looking to commit in the summer, and they still may, depending on how visits go. But I just think in general, Florida had a large portion of their guys on campus. They had some big successful junior days. So, yeah, there was some momentum there. But now you're having to do a lot of the FaceTime calls. You're not really getting any guys on campus. I think that that, the fun of recruiting is seeing all these guys you have on campus and seeing, you know, these four-star, five-star guys making their way to campus. And, and, you know, it's more in your face. And I think now where you're kind of having to see things where coaches are kind of do things a little bit more behind the scenes or doing more personal calls, you know, that you obviously can't go outside depending on where you're at in certain spots here. So I think the momentum in general is kind of seeing around a lot of college football teams. Mind you, not everybody. I mean, I, I kind of circle back to how Ohio State is having that success there. But I think that Florida at this point is looking for some guys that are going to be making a decision a little bit later. Um, I guess we'll see how this dead period goes, if you can get some guys on campus in June again. I just don't know that you're going to see Florida take some of these guys just to take somebody. You know, They're really kind of looking at some of these guys. You're playing a little bit of the waiting game. They want to see where things are. Um, you know, I... They did lose some momentum with some kids for sure. I think if you look at Tunmai's Aladele, um, the four-star uh, defensive end out of IMG Academy, to where he visited Florida twice earlier this year, and maybe he isn't kind of getting the same momentum here. You know, he had a, it was really close with a four-star Florida commit who backed off that commitment in Kamar Wilcoxon. So you know, it seems like Ohio State is getting a little bit of buzz there, but Florida still continued to recruit him. You know. But you see where that momentum was kind of building up, and now it's kind of stepping back. Amari Harvey, a four-star safety out of Tallahassee, was a guy who had Florida leading. Uh, I want to say after the February official, uh, excuse me, junior day visit that he took, you know, Florida was leading, and now he's saying they're not leading anymore. You know, I think that yeah, there's some momentum lost there. Would just, you know, you think you're in a spot with these guys at one point, but recruiting at this, you know, with some of these kids can change on a dime. You know, some of these things really are you know, kind of tennis matches to where it's going back and forth and, you know, one school makes a move, the next one does. You don't always win all those. You know, I, I think that uh, those are two that really jump out to me that maybe Florida did lose some momentum for, that they were kind of really kind of getting a roll on them there. Um, but, you know, I think overall, I think Florida's class is in a good spot. They're still ranked number three in the country. They have a lot more commits in the class now that, you know, maybe most of them sign, not everybody, uh, uh, you know, early commits. You don't know how a lot of those things go. But I think at this point, Florida's kind of cherry picking, you know, continuing to push for some of those top tier guys. And I think that a lot of those guys are going to play the waiting game. They're going to take official visits and most of them may decide later in the process. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's kind of just the pattern of recruiting. I mean, that's how recruiting is, man. You get some positive momentum, and then, you it's know, up you and have down, some negative. I mean, it, yeah, it's absolutely up and down. And it's all, the momentum is really about your time framing, right? I mean, if you're talking about before the early signing period, you know, the week before the early signing period uh, last cycle, Florida, you know, flips Joshua Braun, and uh, I believe they had another commitment. Mordecai McDaniel. There you go, Mordecai McDaniel from Tennessee. And then, so everybody's, you know, all riding a high, and then come – you know, the early signing period, Florida doesn't do as well with the guys that were, you know, basically trying to decide whether or not they wanted to flip from other schools. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, we have no momentum. Well, no, you know, it's a balance between the two. And I think Florida, like you said, is in a good position right now. I mean, they've got the number three class in the country. They've locked up a lot of not locked up because it's recruiting, but they've they've secured from a lot of guys that they really like. And, you know, obviously there's going to be work to do. I do think that this staff typically does better when they can get face-to-face with recruits. And so this is tougher probably for Florida staff than other staffs that maybe conduct better via social media and stuff like that. So there is something to be said for that. 
Um, but again, I think if, if football comes, here's the thing. If football comes back in the fall after we've had no sports for several months, think about how rabid the Florida fan base is going to be. And now think about getting big recruits to big games on campus this year, LSU at home. Like th- there's going to be chances to make up that ground. Okay. It's, it's just a matter of time. So I think a little bit of patience is, is probably a good approach. And then, you know, again, Florida's got to continue to figure out whatever it can do as a staff to continue to just squeeze out a little bit more than they've been getting. And, and if they do that, I think things will be fine in the long run. Absolutely agree. All right, Blake, uh, shifting gears a little bit. Um, and I'm going to ask this question to both you and myself. Uh, do you personally think it's possible for us to have a spring and winter season in 2021? I don't know. I, I mean, in 2021, spring and winter season I, I would say probably yes but I, I don't know if I'm just being optimistic here um, you know I think the overwhelming idea now is that they're about a year out on you know any whatever kind of vaccine or whatever they're going on there so I think we're at a point where you know if you go a year from today you know yeah you're having the conversation about you know winter and spring sports then but I don't know maybe I'm just an optimistic guy and I just hope that sports come back no I, I totally get that sentiment man because I've, I've gotten the question a couple times and it's like I'm not paid enough to to need to have to think about all the things that go into that decision. And God bless exactly. Scott Strickland and, and Greg Sankey and all those guys, uh, you know, in the SEC commissioner's office and athletic departments. But uh, I I think it's less likely than playing in the fall. Uh, the, the more I've looked at it, I just think there's so many questions that come into play when you talk about a spring football season uh, that to me, I don't. I just don't see it as as viable as trying to do a shortened or a condensed fall season. Um, and and some of the issues there are obviously, okay, say you play a full football season starting in January. All right, you're finishing in April, probably mid-April. Um, if you stick to a normal, you know, 12-game schedule, playoffs, conference championships, all that. What do you do from there, right? Do you, do you allow teams to like, okay, and then you don't have spring practice, but you've also been playing for four, like three, four months now. Um, do players just start right off with their summer strength and conditioning program, get no time to rest? Uh, do you have a, a, a season the following fall or do you push, you know, do you push it back to winter for another year? I think there's a lot of liability issues potentially tied in there to player safety to where I, I don't know that that's an option. Um, but the other side of that argument is if fall is truly unfeasible, these athletic programs are going to have to do something to recover that type of revenue because, Football, I looked at it the other day and wrote an article on Swamp 24-7 kind of breaking down where the revenue streams come from. Football typically, you know, makes up about 60% of the revenue for the entire athletics program. And when Florida's running, you know, at $156 million total revenue, we're talking close to $100 million coming in from football. You can't afford to lose that. If you lose that, you're cutting sports left and right. It's a long, long road back, okay? So I think that the athletics directors are going to do everything within their power to find ways to safely conduct a football season. Even if it's a shortened season, uh, they've got to find some way to mitigate that absolutely calamitous situation where they don't have any revenue coming in from football for an entire athletics you know, or fiscal year. It just, it just can't happen. Um, obviously, safety is, is first and foremost. And I think, you know, who knows what it looks like if we play a football season this fall. Um, if the virus is still legitimately a concern and there's a concern over a second outbreak, I think that's it's a very realistic possibility that we could end up having, um, you know, some kind of framework where the players are able to be. Te- and again, this depends on the availability of testing by that point, 
we have no we have no idea. But I, I think there's just a lot of factors. I, I just think the overwhelming driver is going to be that these schools can't afford to lose this revenue stream. I would absolutely agree. I, I uh, man, I, I get it asked so much. I just guess I'm just superstitious, man. I just don't want to think about like no football season this year. And it just seems like the overall, the more things stretch out, you know, the more things kind of continue down this path of. You're good. I can still hear you. Oh, I thought you froze on me again. I just think at this point, man, I'm just superstitious. I just don't want the season to go, man. And I have people ask me all the time just because obviously what I do for work, you know, I have like, you know, just friends that I know that ask me all the time about football season. I don't know, man. It just seems like we're getting more and more to that point where it just seems like it's unlikely. No, I'm with you, man. And it certainly obviously would be bad news for us. So, hey, guys, we're encouraging everybody. Listen to your local health officials, man. Let's have a football season. You know, it's it's not about whether or not you get sick. It's about the people you could spread it to, overwhelming the hospital system, making sure we slow this thing down enough in time that they can start realistically considering this thing. So I'll get to one more question, Blake. I know we're running a little bit late, but uh, kind of feeling it today. So let's do this one last question. Might be late to get to this, but assuming spring practice stays canceled and that fall camp isn't lengthened to compensate, in addition to a lack of a well-structured off-season strength and conditioning program, how does that affect your outlook for the season? Um, I've talked about this a little bit on the Swamp 24-7 message boards, and, and really I've kind of been crafting the narrative within articles as well that we've been cranking out on the site. Um, so definitely check it out if you haven't. Um, but my overall outlook is that Florida's a pretty veteran team. When you have a, a, a senior starting quarterback coming back that has been in the system, has proven productive, you have coordinators on both sides of the ball coming back. And basically at every position, you have some real veterans. You know, you've got senior defensive tackles. You've got uh, veteran cornerbacks, veteran safeties. Uh, you've got some receivers that you know can can you can count on in Kyle Pitts, Trayvon Grimes, Jacob Copeland, uh, Kadarius Tony. I think Florida is going to be less impacted by you know, the entire slowdown than anybody else. Well, not anybody else, but but than most teams. I mean, you look at Georgia, for example, and we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast. You know, they're trying to break in a transfer quarterback with a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive system, and they're going to be doing that without spring ball, you know, having to communicate virtually via Zoom and all that. Florida, for the most part, has a veteran team. They're running the same stuff. I think if, it, you know, I think if anything, it's going to be a boon to Florida, and then the schedule's not hard. So, you know, whatever ramp up you need, um, if you play the schedule as it looks right now, I think you've got time to to kind of iron out those kinks before you really get to, you know, some of those tough games. Like this is not the year you want to be playing, uh, you know, a neutral site game against Michigan or Miami like this. This would not be the year. Um, but because of Florida schedule, you start off with three home games against inferior opponents. You've got a veteran quarterback, both coordinators back. I just don't see it being that detrimental to Florida as opposed to maybe some of these other programs. Absolutely. I agree with you completely. But I do think, and, and the question does bring up a point later on too, I do think that O-line and wide receiver that are mentioned, I think if you had to pick a position for Florida that, it, 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 yes, this is the one that's going to be the most affected. I think those are the two. Not necessarily, at least for O-line, not necessarily in the fact that you don't know what you've got there. I think it's just the point of, you know, emerging some of these younger mm-hmm. names. And we talk about, you know, some of these guys that Florida has recruited, you know, maybe recently compared to some of the upperclassmen there that you think in, in the long run are probably going to have a little bit more of a ceiling, higher ceiling than some of these guys that what you know what they have at Florida now. So I think that, yes, that's the bigger thing. But with wide receiver, man, like you're just replacing a big group that was a senior group there. I mean, that 
word, you know, the large, even LaMichael Pirine with how he was, you know, involved in the passing game last year. I think the wide receiver position for me is one that I have a big question mark on just the fact that you don't know, again, some of those 2019 guys that you signed that could come up and, you know, maybe make a, you know, emerge in the spring. Uh, you do bring in some transfer guys that, you know, if you bring the waivers in, at least for a guy like, you know, Justin Shorter, who it doesn't seem like he's going to get a waiver now. And obviously Jordan Pouncey, some of those other guys. I mean, they've got some guys in the wing and you brought in Xavier Henderson, who's a great receiver and he's probably going to make an impact early with the fact that you saw a lot of those guys go and he's, you know, blazing fast and he's got the height and, I, I mean, wide receiver, you know, you have a guy, if you know the playbook really well, I think that's what's going to help you the most now, just from knowing the route concepts and knowing what you should be doing and where you should be at all times. Those are going to be the guys that I think they're the most prepared, you know, without having a lot, you know, having the loss of spring than maybe a guy who may have more talent and may have more of a higher ceiling, but just doesn't know what they're doing quite as a guy like maybe Rick Wells, who's been in the program for a while, who maybe isn't the most physically gifted in the fact of creating separation or, you know, making those highlight reel type catches, but he knows what he's doing. And he obviously mm-hmm. is, is, is fit enough and knows enough of the program. I think that those are the guys that maybe get a little bit more beneficial from not having the spring as compared to some of those guys, you know, a Jamarcus Weston, a Trent Whittemore, those guys who could probably emerge later. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely correct. I think coaches are going to have to rely on their veterans more uh, more this season, probably, if there is one, than, than any other season in the past, just because of the limitations they're working with. But, uh, Blake, I think, uh, I think that pretty much does it for today. I want to continue to encourage everybody, practice safe social distancing. Make sure you listen to your people that are in charge wherever you are in the country. Uh, we really need everybody working together so that we can have a football season, so that Blake and I can have stuff to write about and have jobs. Uh, it really impacts everybody, so... Um, even if you don't think it'll personally harm you, uh, please take everything seriously. Guys, we've been cranking out a ton of content on Swamp 24-7 throughout this entire thing, and we will continue to do so. So again, if you like uh, this podcast, if you like our content, please be sure to support us. Uh, I know everybody's got a lot going on right now, um, but the more you guys support us, the more we can provide that you know, that kind of fun outlet of relief for you guys. And, and hopefully, uh, before too long, we'll be kicking back up and, and writing articles about the plans for starting uh, football season. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us this week. We'll see you a week from now. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.